Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and it is time for Guy Talk. Our guys who talk in the power panel is in place. Jeff Verdorn, Pastor Tom Parrish, and 007 might show up. We don't know for sure, but we're going to just kind of sit and wait. But gentlemen, welcome. Good to be here, Bill. Good afternoon, Bill. Thank you. So we were talking in the green room briefly, and I had suggested the idea of an apology. And what do you need to hear for it to feel like it's really resonating or the person is you know, truly sorry. And I'm going to borrow from um, Gary Chapman and Jennifer Thomas's book, The Five Languages of Apology. And to summarize the five, here they are. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I'll try not to do it again. Or what can I do to make it right? Mm-hmm. So what is your language, Tom Parrish? My language is that when it comes to apologies, and I've had to teach this to a lot of people, especially, I mean, those who come to me call themselves Christian, they have to understand that they've sinned not only against the individual, but they're supposed to be like Jesus, and so they've sinned against him too. When they put the two together, I find that they have a tendency to be deeper, um, more sincere, and go out of their way to make up to the other person for what they've done. So they'll say to them, I've sinned against you, and I've sinned against the Lord, Please forgive me, and I want to do different in the future. You know, I'd appreciate your prayers and your support. When come, people come to me and talk like that, I'm ready to help them, and I do. I try to help them in that process. So do you, you don't need to hear, I'm sorry, or I'm wrong, or please forgive me? I hear that sometimes, okay. and, and it depends on the individual. What I want to know is, is that if they will recognize that when they sinned, they sinned against who they're calling Lord, and they've sinned against that other person. Mm-hmm. And when they've done that, then they come to the point, and usually they they talk about repentance, not all use the word repentance, but they use the words like, yes, I'm sorry, or I was wrong, and I hope you can now work with me and we can go on from here. But if I don't get the front part, if they don't get straight about Jesus, it's very hard to maintain that because we have a tendency as human beings to rationalize what we do. And quite honestly, after 50 years of marriage, I've learned I can do that, and I've got to be real careful that when I sin against my wife, by attitude, behavior, or whatever, I've got to be real sincere about Jesus, too, and talk to him about that as well as her. And when we do that, uh, that's where we've been together all these years. I don't know that the specific words are as important. Obviously, in order to f- to ask for forgiveness, there are certain words, I'm sorry, please forgive me. These are This is the language of forgiveness, obviously. But unless there's some sense of regret, unless there's some yeah. sense of accepting accountability, except, uh, unless there's some acceptance that the person has wronged you in some way, um, and, and so regardless of what words they use, I think that's a heart thing. And in the end, I think you can tell if someone is sincerely sorry and uh, truly asking for forgiveness. What I look for is the language that they use where they they are asking they're saying they're sorry 
but they're not recognizing that they've done anything wrong. So sometimes you hear this, and you hear this in politics all the time, right, in oh, yeah. TV. You say, oh, I'm sorry that you felt that way. I'm sorry <laughs> that you accepted sure, it that you way. Sorry you took it that way. I'm yeah. sorry that you whatever. They're not saying, I'm sorry for what I've done. They're almost casting the blame back on you that said, well, I'm sorry if you feel hurt by you know what I said right. or what I did or whatever. That's not a sincere apology. Mm-hmm. May I give you an example of re- one of the deepest sincere apologies I've, or repentance I've ever run into? I'm pastoring a church. I have a young man, 25, come to me, and he said, I've come to Jesus. I said, praise God. He said, I've opened my heart. I've asked for forgiveness, but I'm still guilty. I said, what do you mean? He said, five years ago, I robbed my neighbor's. And they didn't know it was me. We lived each other all our before each other all our lives. But I needed money for my drugs, and I robbed their house, and I stole a bunch of stuff, about five thousand dollars worth. What would Jesus have me do? And I said, "Well, tell me, what do you think He would say to you if He was sitting here and talking <laughs> to you right now?" And He came up with His own answer, and it was a good one. He said, "I need to turn myself into the police. Whoa! I need to go and apologize, repent before them, and I need to make restitution." And I said, "I'll go with you." Mm. He went to that family, and he sat down with them, and he repented, and he said, I robbed you when I was on drugs. And the couple said, well, we we kind of thought it might be you, but we didn't know at the time. He said, I was wrong. You have a right. I'm willing to go to the police department and turn myself in. You can press charges, uh, but I will pay you the money back. That couple broke down in tears, put their arms around him like a son, and said, you don't need to go to the police. We will forgive you. And you just pay it back whenever you can. And he did. And guess what? He paid it back with interest. Wow. wow. What a story. You know, that's. The, I think that what you just described is probably one of the biggest keys to asking for forgiveness is also making restitution for the acts that you've done. So if you, if you read the law, we were talking about this before the show, if you read through the law of Moses, many of the acts that are described in the law as being wrong also prescribe some kind of restitution yes. for the act that was wrong. Yes. So. Um, I think that's, uh, you, you know, someone's sincere in their apology if they're willing to make right what they have done wrong. I think it was Benjamin Franklin who said, never ruin a good apology with an excuse. <laughs> it's a good yeah, word. I'm, I'm sorry, but, you know, and you throw in some excuse. That just ruins an apology. Well, that's the language of an apology, right? You mm-hmm. are... You are uh, uh, doing something other that you're using the language of being sorry, but you're not really sorry because there's some other reason why you had to do what you did. So you're making up an excuse or it's the other person's fault or whatever. So you're right. That's a non-apology apology. I went to my class reunion a couple of years ago and this exact thing happened, Bill. One of the guys walked up the other guy and said, you know, uh, I was kind of a jerk in high school and you know, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I, you know, uh, I hope you didn't take it wrong. And the and the and the the other guy said to him, "So you're feeling guilty about your guilt, but you don't want to admit you were guilty." <laughs> and the guy stood there with his mouth open, like not knowing what to say. And I don't know how it ended, but at the end of the evening, they were together at a table drinking coffee and talking. Wow, I love that. But admitting that you were wrong is difficult because everybody wants to say there's always a it's always a two way street. You of know, course, what did you do to contribute to my wrongdoing? The it's only- crazy. The only way I know to get around that, and after all the years of counseling I've done, this is what I've insisted on for people. People who call themselves Christian understand that when you sin against your brother or sister in Christ, when you do something that's wrong, you have sinned against Jesus. And you can't bring any excuse before Jesus. Well, it was a cold day, Lord. 
or I didn't know I couldn't do that. No, when you stand before Jesus, you know you're going to have to speak the truth. So start with Jesus, and then you can speak the truth to your brother or sister. And people that do that, I wish they all did, people that do that do reach reconciliation and healing. I think of all these apology languages on the list, the I'll try not to do it again is kind of the weakest one. Because otherwise you feel like you're a little bit held hostage. Like, ooh, I wonder if he's going to do it again. Well, and there's the, there's the idea of repentance, right? So when repentance is turning away from some behavior. Uh, for, for salvation, it's turning away from the world, turning to God for, in faith for salvation. But even as believers, uh, we are to repent, to turn from the world, don't conform to the any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our minds. Turn from these ways. Why? Do you continue to live as you used to live when you were unsaved? Now tr- live this way. That is called repentance. It's a change of mind, change of behavior, a change of what you're doing. So if you're just kind of saying, well, I'm going to try to change in the future, you haven't. You probably haven't truly asked for forgiveness either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whenever anybody says try, I always think, well, yeah, you're going to fail because that's what try means. Yep. Well, and that's what Yoda taught us too, right? Do or don't do. Don't try, right? <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, Star Wars. That's okay. Wow. Star Wars fan. I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah. He just went. He just went nerd on me. He did. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> what it comes down to is this: Jesus turned this whole thing upside down. Peter said to him, "Hey, if my brother sins against me seven times, should I forgive him?" Jesus said, "I tell you, not seven times, but seventy times seven." The point is, if you understand human character, people are going to fail. Some of them are going to fail multiple times. The issue is, when we fail, are we sincere about our failure? Do we accept real responsibility, and do we seek to become like the Lord? Or are we just looking for an escape because, you know, we got a dinner to go to, and we don't want to feel bad about this setting at dinner? It comes down to getting honest about that. And my what I tell people, especially men who have problems with whether it's pornography or whatever it is, they'll say, you know, I... I've I've really tried, but I I failed a couple of times this month. I said, well, okay. And did you tell the Lord? Oh, yeah, I told the Lord. Well, how much were you looking at last month? Every day. I said, progress. Now you were only doing a couple of times. It's still wrong, but you've repented. Now let's go into the next month and see if you don't do it at all. Because I think what we think is that when we repent of some of these really habitual sins in our life, that they're just going to be gone miraculously. Well, sometimes they are. But in many cases, I find people need a process from the Lord. And if I've got to go to the Lord for three, four times for the same thing, believe me, a lot of what I'm doing is going to end. It's pretty tough. Hmm. You know, you bring up the other component of this transaction of forgiveness, and that is that if someone asks for forgiveness, we need to extend that forgiveness to them. And how do we receive it? So again, it gets to a hard thing. I think if we if someone is genuinely asking for our forgiveness, then our job is to not hold the grudge. Right. Don't just say, yeah. I forgive you, and don't really forgive them in, in your heart. And I, I think I think Colossians 3 says we should be forgiving just as the Lord for, has forgiven us. So when we recognize that our sin before a holy God has been forgiven by God for us, which is, the by the way, the great debt in the parable of the debtor. He was right. forgiven much, but then he didn't turn around and then forgive the smaller debt of his brother, of the other guy. And that's exactly what w- 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 is a description of us 
when we have received the forgiveness of God on a galactic scale, right, from God, from the heaven, on a heavenly scale, and then we don't turn around and extend that forgiveness to others, that's exactly what the parable of the, the debtor was talking it's about. It's one thing to get off the hook of sin, which a lot of people do, but they get hooked again for very long. It's another thing to be so thankful that you've been forgiven that it changes your behavior because of Jesus. Mm. And the story of your couple, they truly forgave the man. They did? Yeah. So are you owed an apology and you're pretty certain you're never going to get it? And if that's your story, I would love for you to text me and just say, yes, that's my story. I just want to see how many of those might come in because I would like to take some time between now and the end of the hour to pray for the hearts and minds of those who are in that position. Yeah, absolutely. So you can text that over to 877-933-2484, 877-933-2484. You have an apology that's owed you. And you're pretty certain you're never going to get it. Mm-hmm. We want to pray for that today. Be right back. Hey, it's the end of the year, and you are absolutely amazing in your generosity. Thank you so much. If you've not made a gift to Faith Radio, we would love it. You can do that at MyFaithRadio.com. Thank you so much. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. Welcome to the show. You're listening to Afternoons with Bill, and it is Guy Talk. My power panel is Pastor Tom Parrish and Jeff Verdorn. And we are talking about forgiveness so far today. And boy, the text line is lighting up with people who are owed an apology, but believe they're probably never going to get one. And we do want to pray for you. Another question that came in regarding forgiveness is, is it acceptable to forgive someone yet still not like them, especially if you don't see or interact with them? This is... I've, I've heard it say, I love you with the love of Christ, right? And that, that maybe, and maybe that's all the love that you can muster up for somebody. I don't know that you have to like everybody, right? But you need to love them, right? Love your neighbor as yourself, love them with the love of Christ. But that doesn't mean you need to be best friends and hang out with each other all of the time. So I think there is a difference between like, it, we were just talking about this in the break, love and forgiving someone. And when you forgive someone, that doesn't mean that say they stole from you, like this guy that we were talking about earlier. You can forgive. They ask for forgiveness. They make restitution. You forgive them. That doesn't mean you need to put them back in charge of your right. money again or something. Right. So there are consequences to to past behavior, and uh, and that trust can be lost. And uh, so you can forgive somebody and not necessarily have to like them or be best friends with them. Yep, I agree. There, are, I hate to say it, there are toxic people in our world, mm-hmm. and. Even toxic, I hate to say it to a degree, Christians who have hold, held on to so much and not given it to Jesus, they're not easy to be around. Those are not the people you, you need to, You need to pray for them. You need to do what the Lord would do toward them to help them come out of that if they ask for it. You can't force them. But on the other hand, you don't have to live around them all the time either because those kind of people will drag you down after a while. If they're willing to come and say, I need your help to get right with Jesus. I need your help to put his word into my life. I'm there for you. But if they're simply there to 
will you please get off my back about what I did before, and so I'm going to ask you to forgive me, but I'm not going to change my behavior or who I am. That's a different story altogether. And I, the Bible says, you know, bad company corrupts good morals. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be wise, you know, and it, there's no hard line on this. Just be wise with the people you're working with. Mm. Another question, is it okay to forgive if no apology is given? I would, I would say pay down the debt. Don't wait for an apology. Go ahead, Jeff. I've got, I mean, I've got some thoughts here, but. Well, do you want me to re- rewind what I just said? Yeah, run it, run it by again. Run it by. No, I, I'm just saying I think we can't sit and wait for an. I think sometimes we'd like to get the apology, but. It never comes. It's not going to come. So do we pay down the debt ourselves? Yeah, I think. Which the, is an, almost an unthinkable thing. Hard to do. But look what Christ did for us. He did. And the risk is that is that that non-forgiveness starts welling up into bitterness. You know, that root of bitterness that Scripture talks about. And and you don't want to be bitter. You don't want to be vengeful. You don't want to have it, have it fester inside of you. So in a lot of ways, you can let it go, right? Just let it go and not count that sin against you. That's exactly what God has done with our sin, right? He no longer counts our sins against us. Uh, but when there's, it's so much easier to forgive when there isn't a genuine apology. It's much harder to not hold something against somebody when there hasn't been an apology. But Well, we carry a terrible weight when we continue to carry that around. Early in my ministry, I had an older woman. I mean, I was, I was like 30 and she was 45. So I'd like to be that young again. But she came to me and she had a family member that it was exactly that story. And this family member was, uh, would never repent. They were, they were always right. They, they hurt her and she didn't know what to do about it. And so I simply didn't know what to do either uh, as a counselor at that point. So we prayed together. I think we prayed for, I don't want to exaggerate, but about 30 minutes. And when we got done, I said, well, what did the Lord say to you? She said, you're going to find this hard to believe. I said, well, tell me anyway. She said, I I think I saw the Lord standing there in front of me. Hmm. And he looked at me and he said, if you don't get out of the way, I can't deal with the person that's hurt you. Hmm. And she said, he was telling me, I got to forgive them. And she did. And as long as I knew her, and then I left that church, she walked in forgiveness toward that person. Wow. So there is a, there is a power there. I think sometimes we don't realize that our unforgiveness is not that Jesus can't deal with that person. Of course he can. But too often we're getting in the wrong way, and he wants us healed as well. Mm. And that's what he told her. So Ephesians 4 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God forgave you. Okay, but what happens in this situation, Jeff and Tom, text just came in, our, our daughter and son-in-law have canceled us without any explanation and we're not allowed to see our grandchildren. How first, do, you, how do first, you forgive that? Yeah, first of all, that's horrible. I'm not going to minimize that. as one of the most painful things anybody could do in life. Here's what you need to do. You need to pray for wisdom as to what in the world is going on with your son-in-law and your daughter or whatever that is creating this environment. They need help, obviously. There's something really missing there. If the Lord brings something to your mind that you've done that you need to deal with, deal with it. But on the other hand, you can ask the Lord to intervene. Because oftentimes we try to intervene as as parents or grandparents in those situations, and we make it worse. But it's amazing, I found, Bill, that when you get sincerely on your knees for your kids and your family, even when they do that kind of stuff and pray, how the Lord gives you a different attitude. And over time, some of them actually change. I'm not saying they all do. Some will go to the grave that way. But I really encourage people to lift them up in prayer, be available when you can, 
Uh, I know it's painful. I hate it. I wish it didn't happen. I've seen too much of it. So I don't know if the if this, the son or daughter is a believer or not, but Jesus actually says that he came to divide. Father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this is, if they are unbelievers, you, you don't want to hold their wrong actions against them, right? They need salvation if they're an unbeliever. Um, if they are believers, well, then, you know, if, if your brother sins against you, uh, come to them. And if they don't listen to you, bring another. If it's possible, if they're believers and you think they're wronging you, if they're sinning against you, go to them and express what you think they've done in that sin. If that doesn't work, Matthew 18 says, then bring another one. Uh, and so hopefully you can turn them from their ways. And maybe the counsel and wisdom of some other believer coming in their lives and saying, really, what's your motivation here? Why are you doing this? What's wrong? Because there's something underlying here. I mean, if they've canceled these, the, the mom and dad, then it, you know, it's probably if it's canceled, it's probably some political worldview kind of issue that they have with their parents. And that's right. the division. Good point. Mm. Okay. This is a, a hot topic. And we're going to go to break here in a few minutes, but I've had so many texts come in and there, there's so much suffering and so much pain that's been mm-hmm. revealed in these messages. Okay. There is um, so much trauma. I mean, here's a, a, a woman now who said, you know, her mother and her childhood abuse and the, the mom says, I'm sorry, you're remembering it wrong. Oh, I mean, can you imagine? Why? Um, and then my husband, my ex-husband molested several of our children and the truth and repentance would bring great healing. But that's, that, that apology's never going to come, right? Yep. There are many. So look at these dear souls yeah. who are in a place of such suffering. I yep. think about in John, in the first chapter, John writes that this true light has come into the world, but men have rejected this light. And uh, because they love the darkness, because their deeds are evil. Um, when people have done evil deeds, and these deeds that you are describing are absolutely evil, um, people hide, and they hide in the darkness. Um, so to, to have uh, one of the parents want to sweep it under the rug and say you've remembered it wrong and put it back into the darkness, is that's just wrong, and, and she should be confronted with it and bring this to light. Uh, God is a God of light and truth. So that's where you have to start. If there's going to be any forgiveness, if there's going to be any healing and reconciliation, it has to come out into the light. When I was at Trinity Lutheran in Minnehaha Falls for many years, I had a woman come to me. She was 75 years old. She said, what I'm about to tell you, I've told the other pastors here, and nobody will believe me or help me. I said, okay. <laughs> what, what, what happened? She said, my dad was an evangelist out of this church, a great evangelist, led many people to Christ. But from age 12 until I got married, he molested me sexually all the time. And I would tell people, and nobody would believe me. My father is now dead. I'm bitter about this. I've gone through three marriages. I've destroyed three marriages because of my own anger. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to turn. I don't know how to make this right. We began a process, and I would meet with her once a week for about an hour, and we would just simply pray together and pray that she could literally lay this at Jesus' feet. And it took a number of weeks, um, uh, probably a month and a half of doing this. But she ultimately laid it down at Jesus' feet. And when she died a couple of years later, she literally said to me, I can now die in peace. Oh. All right. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, I'm sure we'll continue this discussion on forgiveness 
And we do want to pray for everyone who has texted in and everyone who hasn't texted in. If you are owed an apology and you're pretty sure you're not going to ever receive it, we want to try to give you some the peace of Christ today where we, we pray for you specifically and we try to pray that God would bring you that peace that only he brings. Pastor Tom Parrish and Jeff Verdorn on my power panel. We'll be right back. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arnold. We are enjoying guy talk right now, or guys who talk. And I say enjoy because we enjoy each other's company so much. But we are talking about a very difficult subject today. It's very hard, Bill. And it's forgiveness and your apology language. We were talking about that in the first half hour. And just to summarize, uh, Gary Chapman and Jennifer Thomas wrote a book called The Five Languages of Apology. And basically, here they are. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I'll try not to do it again. What can I do to make it right? And I just asked uh, if you have a story of an apology you are owed, and you're probably never going to hear an I'm sorry or I was wrong. And if that's the case, I would love for you to say, yep, that's me. You can text it over to 877-933-2484. We're going to pray for you. Uh, before the end of the hour, and we're not going to call out anybody's names. We're just going to pray for every text that comes in, and we're going to pray for the texts that don't come in, because uh, you're probably thinking, I don't want to send a text over today, but I'm in that same situation. So another bunch came in during the break, and here's one that says, uh, a son and daughter-in-law with seven kids have canceled me, but they're believers. Um My wife divorced me after 15 years. We were both at fault, and I've sincerely apologized several times. She has never apologized. My son has also written me off as well. No answer to texts, letters, or calls. Just just broken hearts. That's horrible. Yeah. But there's so much of that out there, and I've seen way too much of it, and it's amazing. Who are you going to make God in your life? You know, there are people who can go to church and still say, I'm my God, and I'm going to punish my husband or my wife for what they did, and I'm not going to forgive them, and I'm going to make sure my kids, he doesn't get to see them either. That's a terrible thing to do, and we can't do that as Christians. If you call yourself a Christian, then you have to behave like Jesus. Now, if you don't know Jesus and you're carrying this, then welcome to what I call you know, the bowling ball alley. I wish I had a camp, honestly, Bill. I'd like to have a camp on forgiveness for a weekend, and people come, and, and let's say Jeff comes, and I say, well, Jeff, give me your top three sins, and he rattles those off. And with every one, I put a chain around his neck with a bowling ball attached to it, and for the rest of the weekend, he has to walk around with those bowling balls dragging. That would be horrible, and you would regret having ever come, and you would never want to do it again. The devil does that to us when we hold on, and we wind up missing the freedom that Jesus really wants us to have. The world is broken. Um, we live in a fallen world. We have a fallen angel running around mucking stuff up. Uh, the world, the flesh, even our flesh, even those of us who are redeemed and have the Spirit of God living in us, we still fall short, and we act sometimes like the world and fallen. And we are wronged. And, you know, going back to this question before, shall we be forgiving even if we haven't, the, the person hasn't asked 
for forgiveness. And, and I thought about over the break, Jesus on the cross. And if anybody had the right, if anybody was wronged, he was wronged. He was tried without cause. They, they, here God himself comes to earth and man kills God because mm. they didn't recognize who he was. He was wronged. He was tried unjustly. He was beaten and crucified unjustly. If anybody had the right to complain, and yet on the cross, he has these words. And to tell you the truth, it's some of the hardest words in all of Scripture because it's, it's, it's not where most of us would go in that moment. And he says, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they do. And he forgave them. And nobody asked for forgiveness. Uh, and yet he says I, that he asked the Father to forgive them. I think when we don't, I think forgiveness is mostly about us, not the person we are forgiving. Because when we withhold our forgiveness, it's that root of bitterness we were talking about earlier that I can think that just can build up and just eat at your soul. And so I think for our own good, we want to be forgiving. We want to not hold that against the ex-wife, not hold that against the children, not hold that against the spouse or whoever it is, and to be truly, honestly forgiving to others. I think you touched on such an important point. On the cross, when Jesus said that, tells us a lot about his character, Mm -hmm. incredible character. What we miss is that God the Father forgave them Hmm. because the Son was sincere, and he was literally asking the Father to forgive those who crucified him, who betrayed him. And you think about it. When you come down to it, that's what he did on the cross. Yeah. He gave us freedom, who were sinners, who didn't deserve it, but he did it anyway. We should be living in peace. Peace with others is as, as much as it's up to us, we should live at peace with one another, Paul says. And we need that peace. And so if there's something eating at you, somebody else's behavior eating at you, you know, I go back often to Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, do not worry or do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, bring your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I think when we bring it to God and let him deal with this, his peace will guard our hearts and minds. But it's really trusting the Lord that he knows what he's doing, and he knows how to deal with people. And when we give it over to him, I've learned when I get out of the way of Jesus— it's amazing what the Lord can do. Yeah, sick the Holy Spirit on these people, right? I'm right? with you. <laughs> what about uh, forgetting after forgiving? Forgetting after forgiving? Yeah. Forgive and forget? Well, yeah, that was another question. Um, what about forgetting after forgiving? Yeah. Which is very, very hard to do. So God says he separates your sin as far as the east is from the west and remembers them no more. And sometimes people will ask, well, how can an omniscient God who knows everything forget our sins? I don't think he actually forgets our sins. After all, he is omniscient. I think the key is, and Romans says that once you believe and are saved, he says he no longer counts your sins against you. Uh, If you want to paraphrase that as forgive and forget, I I actually think that's a good paraphrase. Don't count these things against the person anymore. It's actually a legal term. To forget is a legal term where the court has declared you not guilty, even though you are guilty, you no longer have to pay the price for what you did. Somebody else has absorbed that price, and that's what Jesus has done for us. Good word. A beautiful uh, piece of wisdom just came in, um, and it's this. Um, This person has not read the book that I referenced, the Gary Chapman book. 
who, by the way, is not our guest, just a, a book I was referencing. But he said, um, I was raising my children. I taught them how to write a formal apology. I believe it's something every person should learn, and it would go a long way to creating a healthier society if people would practice owning their mistakes. It is the first step to learning, healing, and reconciliation. I think that's good counsel. There's a power when you write something down. I mean, there's a real power when you have to put it on paper and look at it. So that's one thing. The other thing is it forces you to order your thoughts. I mean, how many times you've written something down and say, well, I didn't mean it that way. This is what I really meant. And then it helps you to get into a right relationship with the Lord. And if you give that letter to that other person, you're putting that, you're putting that in the right relationship so long as that apology is seeking reconciliation. Hmm. Yeah, I think the the like we were talking about at the start of the show, what are the different components of an apology? And there's that sense of regret that you did something wrong. You're taking responsibility for it. You want to turn from that behavior in the future. It's not, I try, I'll try not to do it again. It's I, I will turn and I will not do that again. And then you, you're trying to make some kind of restoration and those components, uh, I think it's a great idea to teach people how to write a formal apology that mm-hmm. includes all mm-hmm. of those components. Uh, but in the end, if you're not doing it from the heart, then it's just meaningless words, right? Mm-hmm. When I do work with men in recovery from addiction, I have on a, several occasions done in the 12-step uh, program something called, you know, that, that step where you say everything you ever did wrong. <laughs> you just confess everything. These must be really long meetings. They are long meetings, yeah. Yeah. Of course they are. They're very long. And then you say, I'm going to make formal apologies and amends to people. And this one gentleman that I got to know pretty well, he said, there it is. I have one one more amend to make, and it's to my daughter. And I said, "Mm -hmm, okay, well, when do you think you can do that? And he said, she was murdered last year. Oh. Mm. Yeah. So he can't do it. So what happens when there's that out there? There is an apology you either need to make or you hope you receive, and then that person dies. You go to Jesus and Mm -hmm. you apologize to him Mm -hmm. for what you did or what happened to your daughter. Mm -hmm. Jesus in eternity still knows his daughter. There's no gap there. You can't be there at this moment, but Jesus can. And I find that when people do that and literally go to the Lord and say, I was angry at my parents, or I was angry at my brother, but they're now deceased, and I want the, I wish I would have asked for forgiveness, or I wish I would have forgiven them. It's amazing how many of those people ultimately find peace, because indeed, in eternity, the Lord still deals with that. So it's not over when they die, if you go through the right mediator, and that's Jesus, who is eternal. Mm-hmm. I agree. Take it to the Lord. Yeah. Take it to the Lord. There's another comment. Three and a half years ago, my husband kicked me after 27 years of marriage and turned our three daughters against me. I was broken and didn't understand what was happening. God gave me Exodus 14, 14. You know that verse? Yeah, he will fight your battles for you, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All you need to do is be still. I knew I had to lean into the Lord, be still and pray. Six months later, my daughters each came to me separately and asked me if I knew dad was narcissistic. I I did know he had been uh, gaslighting me, but God had to reveal that to each of them. Yes. So my daughters and I have begun a massive healing journey. He claims to be a Christian. He used to work for a Christian Bible college. But I know I will never hear an apology as he believes he's totally in the right. I'm thrilled about the daughters. I'm thrilled Mm -hmm. that the family, she's being reconciled with them. 
And now they have an opportunity as mother and daughters to really pray for dad, even though dad may never repent, but continue to go back to that Exodus fourteen fourteen and say, Lord, you fight the battle. We can't fight it, but you can. Mm-hmm. You know, what I didn't hear in that, from that listener is is a sense of bitterness from her. No, I didn't no. hear that. I didn't either. I heard the sense of, oh, I've been wronged. Um, I know I've been wronged. Her daughters now recognize that. Um, and so she knows that and she rested and she just gave it over to the Lord. And he, she's right. She's absolutely right. The Lord will fight your battles for you. Mm, so let him. Beautiful. All right. Uh, Tom, would you, uh, as I look over the extensive list of texts that have come in with a lot of pain here, and if you are hoping for an apology and you're probably never going to get it, I would love for us to just cover you in prayer. Absolutely. Would you do the yep. the honors of going I to the Lord to. on behalf of all these dear listeners, the ones who have texted in and the ones who haven't? If you are the listener out there and you are carrying these burdens in the privacy of your own home, I ask you to raise a hand to Jesus because he's the one who hears your prayer. And this is what we pray. Jesus, I'm carrying this burden I don't know what to do with it. It's overwhelming me, Lord. It eats away at me day and night. But Jesus, you are the ultimate healer. You know what to do with those that have hurt me and those that I have hurt. And Lord, some of them are very close family members, and I love them dearly. I don't understand, but you do. So Lord, right now we put these family members and ourselves into your hands. Do in my life whatever you need to do to make me like you, Jesus, and work in their life to bring them cleansing and healing and hope and restoration. Lord, you are the great healer. You are the one we turn to. And Lord, you know the pain and the bitterness and the sorrow that many of us have gone through. And that's why you went to Calvary. Now, Lord, set us free from those things Mm -hmm. so that we can live for others and help others who are in the same situation find the freedom that we're finding in you, Jesus. In your name we ask this. Amen. 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 Thank you, Tom Parrish. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back... If we still have a couple of texts, uh, that would be wonderful. Otherwise, we'll continue our discussion on forgiveness. The power panel is Jeff Verdorn, Pastor Tom Parrish. The text line is open, 877-933-2484. Be right back. Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Join us for our Reading the Bible Together Advent Study. Sign up at MyFaithRadio.com. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. All right, we're back with Guy Talk. Guys who talk, they always do such a nice job. Pastor Tom Parrish, Jeff Verdorn is my power panel today. And I had a lovely text come in. You're going to love this, gentlemen, and I'll read it. I had uh, sent the above text the last time you had a program like this, so it was probably on forgiveness. And here's an update. I saw this person this past weekend. I've seen him only once, one other time in the last 20 years. I had prayed prior to this gathering, asking God to give me peace and help me love as he would. When I saw what I saw in this person was such a broken, defeated soul His life choices could literally be seen in his physical demeanor. The only thing I felt was sadness at how the enemy had brought destruction to our family and compassion towards this one that I know the Lord wants to restore even now. And I'm praying that to the end. Oh, wow. 
That's a miracle right there. The compassion is amazing. That's amazing. I, uh, the two words that stuck out at me were the peace that she had and the compassion that she felt. And I think of what Jesus said when he saw the crowds. He had compassion for them. Yeah, that's powerful, powerful message. So thank you for that. And also, uh, Tom, thank you for praying. I, I'm just praying the Holy Spirit is right now at work in the lives of many who said, yeah, I need help. Absolutely. And, and I'm not going to get this apology and I'm not going to wait for it. No, you don't. Here's the thing, and I want everybody to hear this. Don't carry the weight of the other person's sin. Mm. Give it to Jesus. Get it off your back. Become the person Jesus wants you to be. Live at peace and live at joy. And then the Lord can use you, like he's going to use this person that you just talked about, to bring healing to another person. And there's nothing better in life than to see people healed, and the Lord uses you as a part of the process of making that happen. So I was just going to say, no matter what side of this transaction you may find you're on, if you owe the apology, we've talked a lot about what that looks like and what are the components of a good apology. And, and so the, the, hopefully the Lord is prompting you right now to say, Hey, I need to go apologize to this person. The other side of it is someone owes you an apology. Don't let that become bitter. Don't find that peace, that compassion that we just talked about and truly in your heart, forgive them. Hmm. Another comment. Um, how I forgive people that aren't sorry is I look at them as a sinner just as I am, and I acknowledge I've sinned against others, and I was once an unbeliever and didn't know better, and I turn that anger and hurt into love and desire for that person to repent and be freed by Jesus. Mm. Wow. Can that person help me write a sermon on that for a Probably. Oh, <laughs> that's good. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Good word. Um, Lord's Prayer, forgive me as I forgive others. Hmm. Burns me every time I say it. Who do I need to forgive? Hmm. That's really nice. Now, this brings me up to another question that came in from Mike, and Mike uh, sent this to me a week ago, but it fits into our discussion today. And he said, do you remember the section where David has been called out about his sins regarding Bathsheba and her husband, his prayer against you and only you, I have sinned, was mentioned. He definitely sinned against Uriah, but he says he only sinned against God. How is that explained? I think I think that's a very good question, interesting question. I I don't think David is not or denying that he sinned against Uriah in that passage. I, I just pulled it up as you said; it's from uh, Psalm fifty-one, and and I don't I don't see that he's necessarily saying, "Well, I didn't do anything wrong against Uriah." I think he's recognizing that it's God who is the one true God. It is God who, uh, who, who, who determines what is sin in the first place. It's his righteous standard. And, and truly and honestly, we only sin against God, nobody else. There's no God but God. And so I think that's the heart of this passage. I don't, I don't think, I'm being interested in what you have to say, Tom. I don't think he's denying that he wronged Uriah in this verse. No, I don't hear him saying that. What I hear him saying is this. Remember, King David was king. There was nobody in greater authority than David. He didn't have any court he could go to and confess Mm -hmm. this to. He acknowledged, I'm going to the higher court. And when Nathan accused him or brought that up, he said, I've sinned against the Lord and against only you have I sinned. When you get that only in there and understand that, what I've seen among people that I've worked with is that it drives them to go be reconciled to people they can. Mm -hmm. It drives them. And I've seen people, this is absolutely true, I know of one person that actually went to the graveyard 
to the person that they hurt very badly and that person had died and got down on their knees in front of that tombstone and cried for hours and admitting, I've sinned against you, Lord, and I sinned against my friend. Now, that tells me something's going on here. The Bible, though, the emphasis in that text or in the psalm is not on Uriah. He was with the Lord. He was out of this picture. The emphasis was on who do you really sin against when you do these things, even when you sin against your brother. It's against the Lord. I agree. And David acknowledged that. Hmm. Another question. Uh, My husband and I prayed together and served the Lord together, but we still divorced. He basically self-destructed while in the military and went to prison. I'm in so much emotional pain. How can I have hope for blessing in a future spouse who will love me? Great question. That's a great question. Yeah, you're carrying a lot of burden in mm-hmm. that one. Um, I would, if I was talking with this person face-to-face, I would say, is there any way you can bring any reconciliation, even if you don't get remarried, but just reconciliation to your former spouse? If that's possible, you know, do it. Maybe it's not possible. But to you, what you need to do now is to bring this before the feet of Jesus, lay it down, and claim his shed blood. And say, Lord, I made a lot of mistakes. I didn't do what I should have. I can't go back and correct a lot of that, but you can. And because I'm bringing it to you, Lord, cleanse me and give me another opportunity to be the spouse you intend me to be. You know, in some cases, well, God, you, you mentioned reconciliation. If that's possible, um, yes, God is a God of reconciliation. He's given us a ministry of reconciliation. If that is possible um, from your end, by all means, that's sure. that's God's desire for you. But sometimes it's not possible. Right. And sometimes the brokenness is so much in the divide or the hurt or the behavior of the other person, and it's just not going to be possible. And and in the end, what do you do? You you Again, you don't become bitter. You give it to the Lord. He is our shield. He is our strength. He is our ever-present help in times of need. So you are a child of God. You are he, you are the bride of Christ, and uh, you know that relationship with the Lord first and foremost uh, should be your joy and your strength, and so on. So, uh, turn to God in a situation like this. I mean, that's that's all I got. One of the most impressive things I ever heard was a Vietnam veteran, and he had come back from a terrible war, and he had PS, you know, PTSD, and he had to struggle through that. His best friend ran off with his wife, mm. and he was bitter about that. And I now he was a Christian, and I said, how did you manage to deal with that? He said, the first thing I had to do is I went and I, I told the Lord the truth about how angry I was, and then I locked up my sniper rifle. Hmm. And I thought, of course. I mean, he had the power. I'm not saying you should do this, but he had the power to do something to get even. He didn't take that choice. He went to Jesus instead. And I'll tell you, I can still see him in my mind. It's a powerful vision to see somebody that had that kind of power and chose not to use it because they were so hurt and they gave it over to the Lord. And think of the Lord on the cross. Did he not have the power to solve his situation right then and there? He could have spoken a word. He didn't even have to speak a word. He could have thought a thought, and everybody in that entire city could have just been vaporized in a heartbeat, but he didn't do that. He forgave them instead. You know, too too many of us want to live by the James and John syndrome. Lord, (laughs) shall we call down fire from heaven? Sons of thunder. Yeah, I understand. Mm Mm-hmm. So my wife has turned my 15 and 14-year-old daughters against me with lies and trying to do the same with my 11 and 9-year-old boys. It's really hard to suffer this rejection. She's a believer and sits on the opposite side of the church from me. Ouch. 
You know, in, what should I do in situations like this? I obviously there's some brokenness there. There's some um, betrayal. There's maybe some lying going on um, on one side or another. Not knowing the whole situation. In these situations, one of the probably the best thing you could do is bring in somebody else, a a neutral person who knows the Lord, who knows the Word, is a wise counselor, and go to counseling. Let them be the determiner of, of who's wronged who and where and why, and also, hopefully, if they're a good biblical counselor, make sure they're exhorting both parties to not only express their apology, but offer that forgiveness. So maybe bring in somebody who can, who can from with outside eyes, evaluate, evaluate the situation. That's a good word. And the other thing I would advise him to do, and as hard as that is, is to pray a blessing. And remember what Paul said? You know, it's like peeping burning coals on people. (laughs) Pray a blessing on your wife and on your your kids and let the Lord deal with them because eventually the kids will get a different picture. That day will come. Your behavior now makes a difference for the future. Whatever happens to your spouse is in the Lord's hands. I want to thank Tom Parrish and Jeff Verdorn for a very uh, powerful guide talk. I pray that God has given you some encouragement today and Possibly through prayer, you've started a, a new uh, journey of healing, and that's the desire of our heart, that you would be free from suffering and and some of the pain that's associated with wanting an apology but never receiving it. So thank you for your great questions, and uh, if you missed any of today's discussion, I, I, I bet you would love hearing it from the beginning. You can always go to myfaithradio.com check out the podcast. It's always a good time to show Christ's love to a hurting world through acts of kindness. So you can join our Kindness Always initiative at myfaithradio.com. You should check it out. And if you want to receive a daily email featuring a nice scripture graphic, you can sign up for the verse of the day email also at myfaithradio.com. We're going to take a little break, and then we'll be back with Dr. Glenn Pickering in just a minute. Podcasts like mine are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now.